Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Live for the third Sunday in Lent. My name is Alana Burke, and as always, here with me is Father Ian Van Heusen. How are you doing, Father? Doing well, Alana. I'm and now on my second fast of Lent. Um, day one, I'm going to see how many days I go this week. I want to try to go five. Did seven before, personal best. Um, not that we're keeping track. No, we're totally keeping track, totally, <laughs> totally competing. Um, but anyways, um, so... Uh, switching up gears as she's sharing and letting everybody know that we're here. The woman at the well this week, we've got the woman at the well and uh, it's it's such a beautifully rich story. There's so much there, but one of the things I want to get at is the sense of how does the woman at the well evangelize? So the big thing is her evangelization comes from an experience of Jesus Christ. She proclaims what Jesus has done for her. You know, that seems so obvious, but you'd be surprised. A lot of us, we spin our wheels about telling people about catechesis ideas, theology, that stuff is good. But a lot of times we have to recognize that what we have to share with people is our experience of Jesus Christ. And that sometimes can involve theology. That can sometimes involve how we've encountered the Lord through the tradition. But ultimately we have to share Jesus. That's the fruit of an encounter. And you see the beauty of this encounter though, is it's not some idealized encounter. This is a woman who has a sinful past. She experiences God's mercy and she experiences her love in the midst of her sin and the midst of all of her problems. Jesus comes to her and he looks at her with tenderness and mercy. Have you experienced that in your own life? Like, have you let Christ look at you with love and mercy? Have you connected with that? And then do you share that with the world? Um, it's not just about like, you know, we should go to church to, to check off the box or church is good for us. It has to, it has to be about Jesus Christ. And of course the sacraments communicate Christ to us, the, the rituals, everything, all that supports that, but it has to lead to the interior. So have we shared? Do I need to talk some more? Nope, we're good. Just finished. All right, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so, Facebook's being slow today. It's 
Ah, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I agree that really, we really need to strive to help people encounter Christ yeah. in order to help them, then they can have that interior mercy and healing and then to go out yeah. and share. And we, just, and we did some videos for the diocese. You know, well, it's so funny. We just had some seminarians here, great guys. One guy was given a talk one night and the, the, I, I said to the, I said, when we were preparing, I said, every night the seminary should give a testimonial. And, and, the, the, and the guy was like, Oh, should we explain to them what the charisma is? I'm like, well, when you, you don't explain it like an academic thing, you explain it. How have you experienced the basic message? How have you experienced your salvation? If we were Protestant, we'd say, how were you saved? And there's some truth to that with even the Catholic context. How did you come to believe? How did you come to encounter and make that definitive choice? Right. And so one of the guys, he meant well, but he did about a 10-minute preface where he said, I was told to talk about the Acts of the Apostles, the beginning. And the way it was like, I was like, oh, oh he's really not getting this. And, mm-hmm. and about 15 minutes in, he shared a little bit of his story. But it was like, it was kind of a little bit too late at that point. Like he, and I was like, Oh, you gotta, like, I forgot when I was a seminarian, we really didn't get, we weren't trained on how to give a testimonial. And I've realized, started to realize that that's one thing that's needed a lot. Catholics have to learn to give a testimonial, a one minute testimonial, a three minute testimonial and a 10 minute testimonial or Mm -hmm. longer. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I think every Catholic, you should be able to give at least a one, a three minute or a 10 minute testimonial. Yeah. It does. And I think the, our seminarians um, now go around to almost every parish um, in our entire state in the summer and they do visits and, the, and they are learning how to do that. Cause this past summer they were doing that. Our seminarians. Yeah. How'd they do? Were they, were they, they were pretty good. They were pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. So, so at least they could have their own conver- like conversion story and, and uh, or, you know, calling to the, you know, the yeah. vocation story down. That's Yeah, that makes sense. And they did a little bit of that in my seminary, but they didn't quite do it like the, the way that we're now training people to do it within the diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, and I just think it was the opportunity they had, people wanted to know. That was like the biggest question. So they had to actually develop it and figure yeah. out how to tell the story. Well, and it's always, you know, it's funny. The problem is you get in seminary and you get academic minded and you forget about the, like the human dimension that people when you come into a place, they want to, they want to get to know you. Um, they want to get to know your story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then they'll listen to your academics. Yeah. Once they know you. And you sprinkle it in, you sprinkle it in. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. are you, are you ready for the first reading so we can uh, yeah, let's jump in. get rolling? All right. <clears throat> first readings from Exodus. In those days, in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with with this people? A little more and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel. Hold in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of in Horeb for the people uh, strike the rock and the water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel 
The place was called Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? Okay, so this is right after the crossing of mm. the Red Sea. This is right after receiving manna, and um, but before getting receiving the, the Decalogue, receive, receiving the Ten Commandments, and be, so obviously then before yeah. the, um, the idol worship yeah. of the... And you from that, I believe there's another account of this. With, which, In Numbers. Yeah, In numbers. which gets yeah. into the sin of Moses. Right. And I couldn't tell if he, it was a second, like I read both of them before we went live, and I couldn't tell if it's the same story or if it's two different times. Because they both say Massa and Meribah. Yeah, I think is, it's the same. But it's just two story? different accounts. I, I'm pretty sure okay. it is. But um, yeah, actually, there's a lot of ink spilled on what exactly is the sin of 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 Moses. Of Moses. And it seems to be. Um, I've I've talked about it with different scholars, and the one that put forward by one of my mentors was his sin was he lost his patience. Like he was supposed to show the holiness of God to the people, and I think in the one the the other account. Like he kind of has a little bit of a speech, doesn't he? Where he says um, he strikes the rock twice on the other account. So I yeah. think it might be two. It it might be different cases. I don't. I don't no, know. Probably just different. Different. I mean, different. Different. Because the rock followed them. Like it's. It was very. It's very interesting when you read the whole accounts that the rock actually followed them with the water. Yeah, no, I think it's. I think they consider it the same account, but uh, who knows? Okay. But um. So yeah. fact check me if anybody wants to let me know. Yeah, and well, the idea is is, is getting at is this idea of the, the water. I think that's right. the, the connection. They, they they don't want us so much to focus on the sin of Moses, but verses. Um, right. Well, um, and it is in the Psalms, by the way, and Mary by Massa, where you challenge mm-hmm. and provoke me, although you right. see me wrath. Right. Um, which we which pray is, all the time. So it's which is more. this Psalm in this week? Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Like the waters of Mary Bud Massa, where they challenged and provoked me, although they had seen all of my works. So I swore in my anger, they shall not enter into my rest. It's the first psalm we do every day. There you go. So I swore in my anger, they shall not enter into my rest. Um, and so the, well, the thing it, that's... You know, the, it, it gets to the fascinating thing I talked about last week a little bit, which is, um, the, the I talked about my homily, is the, if God doesn't show his glory to people who test him. I think he's patient with ancient Israel, but even now, many people who who are on the outside looking in, I, I talk about all they see is Christ crucified, that that's the public, whereas the glory of the transfiguration, the glory of the resurrection are only to those who enter by faith into that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, what stood out to me in this reading was when Moses cr- cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? Like he's so real with God. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, you know, it's like, I feel like I love that because then we can just, we can be real with God. We can be like, Lord, do you see this? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And, and he'll answer, you know, he should, we should be able to, to listen for, for maybe an actual answer. And this kind of transparency is not just because we're creatures and because we're weak, but Jesus has a similar kind of transparency with the father in a mysterious way, though he's the son of God, equal with the father for all eternity, he shares in our humanity and he, in a certain sense, actually, I think he even says in the gospel, what should I do with these people? They're, 
-hmm. He has a similar lament to Moses. Where is it? It's in the Gospels. Um, like, um, like what the, you ask for a sign, this wicked and perverse generation, how long mm. shall I have you with me? He says that a few times. He says, makes a similar, similar kind of statement. Right, right. And, and it's important for us, like we, we are going to get frustrated with the people yeah. around us, you know, yeah. who are questioning the things that are happening yeah. I feel like that's where we are right now. Just like constant questioning of why we are to where we are or what, why we're doing what we're doing to the point of frustration. And you know, it's a fascinating dynamic I've had um, recently and, and I, I still am trying to figure out a way of putting it. I've been reflecting a lot on Jesus saying um, he who hates his life in this world will save it. Um, like you have to hate your life in this world. And there is something about it that there's like a holy, I mean, one priest in my diocese called it a holy dissatisfaction and that can be freeing. Like um, that the, there's a holy dissatisfaction with yourself and with the world that um, I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure out how to put it because I've prayed on it a lot, especially when I'm feeling desolation. Like I've reflected on the idea of hating myself and it's like, of course I, I, not in a bad mental health kind of way. That's the, that's the irony of it is. Um, yes. There's a lot of um, paradoxes in the, in the life of faith that do not transfer well sometimes into our culture. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Cause people are really like, you should never hate yourself. Well, that's, a, that's the big thing is, is take any phrase, any phrase that people use, there's a, there's a corresponding bad mental health part of it. And there's a possibility of it being like good for you. Like, so the idea of an angry God who punishes me, who, who hates my iniquity and hates my sin um, and punishes me, I actually, strangely enough these days when I pray for that consoling, um, like, uh, I don't know, it's like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Why would I find that consoling? Like, uh, because, the because then I recognize consoling? God's mercy. I recognize yeah. God's mercy. Yeah. Yeah. But also yeah. resting in the truth, like okay, my iniquity, which is not who I am, right? Because we always yeah, exactly that's we it. always say my sin is who I am, so that's why I need to defend it in the culture. Yeah. That's how what the culture is. And then so if we contemplate that God might be angry at my sin, then that's hurtful. And then hating myself in that way would would mean I'm rejecting myself. That's a, that's you know great, what I mean. Exactly, that's a great way of putting it. Like realizing that your sin is not core to who you are. Right. So, and, and that's a huge, huge issue in the culture. And yeah. just, in, that's why I think, development too. I think in development and just spiritual development, I think it's something that, and that's where I've often said that the, the Bible, I've often thought about it. There's passages that relate to the unitive way. There's passages that relate to the illuminative way. And there's passages that relate to the purgative. When you're working with kids, you don't want to focus on hating your life in this world, right? Because just won't get it. Right. Um, it, it, especially with our culture and with everything else that they're hearing, they'll misinterpret yeah. what you're saying, and then it, it'll really do a lot of damage. We don't. Yeah, want and I think I think it's always been that way. I don't think it's just because of. I, mean, I think there's definitely a part of the culture, but I mean, because I think there's some wisdom that. Um, like, I think there's some wisdom that has a lot to offer the secular world in hating yourself and hating your lot in this life. Um, 
I, I think particularly with the entrepreneurs I know, I think a lot of them, I think it can be distorted and it can be misused, but they have a holy dissatisfaction with themselves, which strives. They have a, they have a holy, di- not, not a holy dissatisfaction, a, a virtuous dissatisfaction sometimes. Um, that makes sense. And that gives you, you know, just like you said, that it gives you the urge to move forward into what you need, you know, into the, you know, purgate pur- through the purgative life. Um, yeah. into moving forward and in, into perfection through the Holy Spirit. But I mean, I think early on, I think early on kids can't be taught that holy dissatisfaction. It's like, it has to be something that I think develops in, in your later years um, after you've encountered God's love and his mercy. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like even the woman at the well, I think, I think she wouldn't be ready for that as much. I think she's being, she's being prepared for it. But I mean, I think, the, the, the initial way that Christ comes to us is with tenderness and mercy. Right. But I also think well, she's I mean, living the dissatisfaction. He gets angry at the Pharisees, the scribes, and Peter. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know about John and James as much. Sometimes, you know, every so often. He's like, you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Peter is the one he gets, I mean, he gets the most angry at Peter, right? Well, he calls him Satan. <laughs> so you know that that, ain't, that is nothing not nothing but <laughs> when it comes to the woman at the well i think she already feels what? that like he doesn't need to tell her about the dissatisfaction she already lives it you know what i mean she's at the well in the middle of the day not with anybody else yeah but there's still i mean there's still i mean i think um i don't, I don't think i i don't think that, that, that holy dissatisfaction is simply an experience of our own sinfulness. I think it's a little bit deeper that like that, that maybe God shows his anger to those who are closer to him. That, mm. um, mm-hmm. Cause I mean, really, I mean, we'd, you almost feel like with a person like the woman of the well, much of her suffering is the result of her own bad choices. Whereas with Peter, it's like no, it's it, it is angry Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <It's> true. <laughs> and okay, what's fascinating if you think about that though, I, I like that idea of Jesus being angry at Peter. Would Peter have found it offensive the idea of an angry God? It was like, well, I saw him get angry. <laughs> I gotta use that. No, he got angry. Um, <laughs> oh, he got angry. <laughs> I mean, like he cleansed the temple. So, there, there's that, there's, there's he, an angry God. <laughs> yeah, he got mad. And so I'm trying to. So it's not that much harder to, to understand the anger of the Father if you've encountered angry Jesus. That's true. I'm trying to like lace these two things together with, with Moses and the water and, and, um, the gospel for today, which is the woman at the well and thinking about God how. Gets, I mean, of all the situation, the, the one that seems to be the worst sin and this, and the whole Torah is Moses. And like, he gets like, almost gets like the worst punishment. Like, you know, he can't enter the Holy land and you know. Um, yeah. But I think when, when we look at the, the Israelites and, and Moses, they knew what they wanted, but they didn't know how to ask for it. Yeah. And the woman at the well doesn't even know what to ask for. Yeah. And Jesus leads her there in yeah. his mercy. So, so sometimes we don't even know what we need, but we are able to be led by Christ once we, you know, through yeah. the liturgy, through 
um, you know, receiving sacraments and um, yeah. studying studying scripture. Yeah. Have you ever have you heard my whole spiel about what you would ask for God, what you would ask God for? Have you ever heard me talk about this? Like I, I talk about a lot in homilies. I don't know if you've heard it. I so I, I say mean, like if, I mean, I've if heard came, it before, but I don't know if I've heard it from you before. But well, I, I say you know if God came here right now, what would you ask for? And you know, like would you ask for health, wealth? You know, and then I talk about Solomon. He asked for wisdom, and um, yeah. Yeah, Bartholomew asked to to is it no, it's not Bartimaeus. It's James and James and John. Right, but Bartimaeus asked right? for to see. Oh, Bartimaeus asked to see. Yeah, sorry. From um, I said the wrong name first. James and John asked to sit on the right and the left. Yeah. Right. So it is so, important. Any to think wrong about. answer? Wisdom. <laughs> Try again. No. And to see is a, is a type of wisdom, right? Because yeah. it can be also seen as, you know, a, a spiritual sight. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, well, and I think there is a sense with the miracles that Christ comes to people in their simplicity. I mean, because I definitely think that there's, um, that, yeah, that, and then even the way they address him, I think, the, does Bartimaeus call him son of David or something? They made they made that that like they're not quite fully getting they they get that Jesus can do good things for them, but they don't necessarily have the fullness of faith yet. But they have right. a kind of trust in Jesus. Well, the woman we'll see in the reading, and the woman at the well actually drives straight home to that he's the Messiah. Yeah. So yeah. that's really important too because she is the first one that he plainly reveals that he is the Christ. Yeah, it was funny. I was while I was teaching it to the kids. I, I had an insight in John's gospel. John's the only gospel where it's one-on-one -on -one conversations with Jesus. John's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the inner life. It's like the behind the scenes. Here's what happened when nobody was around. Yeah. The intimate, the intimate Christ, you know, yeah. like how, how intimate Christ is with us and how we should be intimate with Christ. Yeah, and how patient he is with the process. And we can come back to that more because I had a lot of insights. Because um, what I do now, when I do the longer talks, is I do a Protestant style. Actually, the church fathers did too, where you kind of walk through the reading and you stop and you reflect on each line, or not each line necessarily, but like chunks of lines. It's mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really fun. I enjoy it. We don't have any comments right now. Um, so can I quickly go through the we were talking we talked about skipping the second reading, but I think we might have time just yeah, quickly, quickly. quickly do it. Um, from the letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with a difficulty does one die for a just person. Though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so this, this is a really great point, especially at the end, uh, how in our... He, he saves us even, you know, in our sinfulness. He loves us mm -hmm. in our sinfulness. And how hard it is. I mean, just to even have the perspective, you know, Paul brings us this perspective of how hard it is to die for a, a just person, a good person, mm -hmm. and how Christ died for 
us in, at our lowest point, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, the thought that comes to mind is it's really easy when somebody's made mistakes or they've fallen away from the Lord to understand this idea that God come like, I mean, Jesus even says elsewhere, he says, those who have been forgiven much love much um, were those who've been forgiven little. It's, it's fascinating as I get older, I, I see that dynamic that um, there's a, there's a certain kind of um, there's a certain kind of playing by the rules that it's um, can really kind of uh, kind of hurt the spiritual life. Like when you, when you don't take risks, when you don't feel inspired, when you don't inspire other people. I wasn't sure which rules you were talking about. Just like all the rules, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, definitely we want, it's like you want people to, it's weird. You want people to play by the rules. You want your kids to not fall into sin, but the, the fear of putting in them, the fear of falling into sin to the extent that they don't take risks can become crippling as well. Um, and, And the irony is, is some of the people who fall the hardest are some of the ones who come to love the most because they understand this reading. Like, yes, like I was a sinner and Christ came to me. Right. Um, experience God's mercy. I, I think a lot of it also, I, I, I love this idea. The only thing that we know about Jesus as a 12 year old is that he spent three days by himself in the temple. Like, and he just, you know, I mean, think of like 12 year old. Do you have a 12 year old? How? Yeah. Yeah. Like, year old boy. Yeah. What, what if he spent three days in the temple? It's like, what mama? I was just, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be it. I would lose my mind. Um, I, I ask couples that. It's actually a fascinating meditation. But yeah, like, it's definitely something that, that especially now since he is twelve, um, I do contemplate a lot. How, how like how that must have been. And she had anxiety, but didn't sin. You know yeah. what I mean? Like she was able to have that urgency to want to make sure that he's okay, but wasn't it wasn't sin. <laughs> Yeah. That's comforting to me <laughs> exactly. as a mother. Yeah, you can experience negative emotions and you don't sin, which right. is a lesson that a lot of women struggle with. They experience negative emotions. It's the dump confession, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, I told you about this. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, and, yes. Here's all my negative emotions, and then you're like, ah, you, you there's no sin in that. <laughs> But I mean, you don't, you don't quite say it that way, but yeah. And there kind of can be if you ruminate on it and you give mm-hmm. your consent to it, but yeah. yeah. So when it comes to, but I talk about this a lot, the, 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 that fallacy, that assumption that when I feel good, things are good. And when I feel bad, things are bad. Like it's so fundamental of an assumption that people have. Well, I'm on my second marriage, but I feel good. So it must be good. It's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> We'll see, (laughs) but, but I mean, but even in, I was in a little bit at some desolation this week and it was very, the most frustrating is because I know things are good. And so I was just frustrating with the feeling, my feelings. I was like, this makes no, I'm just so intellectually frustrated because I don't feel my thinking and my feeling like aren't aligning. And it's just like so upsetting. (laughs) That's what, but that's when you use the Jesus prayer. You just got to fight. You just got to not think as much as possible yeah. and not, I mean, that really, I mean, cause I have this happen all the time. Like I'll be in situations where I'm like, I'd like, especially after big events. Um, like it's not the day after the big event. It's two days after a big event. 
It's because the day after I'm still hyped up and then it's like the, the, the huge crash. Yeah. And I just have to sit with the fact that I, I feel like everything's out of whack, but I know it's not. Right. Yeah. Just trying to do like homework and like everything was just so hard. I'm like, this is not hard. Why do I feel like, you know what I mean? Like what is, what is happening? So I was just like, but did you go to the rules of discernment? The three reasons why you could be in desolation? For, yes. But I, I just had to like suffer through it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it I, wouldn't make it go away. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that, that could be an opportunity though, to like meditate on some of the things we were talking about. Like, like I hate my life right now. Like this is, I hate this world. This world stinks. It's <laughs> yeah. like, take me now. <laughs> yeah, like, woe is me. This is, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's just so frustrating because I'm like, I know. Well, not necessarily fine. escape it, but just not feeling like you want to escape it, but just confronting it. Because that's what your experience, I, one of the things also that's really helpful for me is, is St. Thomas Aquinas identifies the 11 principal passions. And so I try to analyze, I don't know if this would work for a woman as much as a guy, I, I kind of try to categorize, well, what, what is the emotion I'm feeling right now? So like despair, um, despair is an emotion is a different, a little different than despairing of one's salvation. Um, is this anger? Is this hatred? Um, is it fear? Uh, I, I recently, but what I've normally found is when I can identify it and every time there's different strategies, but I, I, it's like, I always have to find a strategy to break the hold of the desolation. And once you find it, like I, I, the beginning of Lent, I'd always struggled with fasting, um, longer fasts. But this last longer fast, I was like, go, like doing like my mental checklist, walking through the passions. And I started to think about how it was, it was either fear or anger. I can't remember. But I had some insight about myself. And then, bam, the desolation was gone. It was like, boom. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes when you can like put your finger on it, it yeah. just goes away. But, but yeah. yeah. And there's a passage, St. Paul says, with every trial, Christ gives, God gives us the way out. Something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I'll have to. Yeah, I'll you got to find, you got to find, you got to, like a Sherlock Holmes, like you got to investigate. Like, so there's like uh, doing like the mindfulness stuff. So like the mm -hmm. breathing stuff that can work, doesn't always work. Um, analyzing a little bit has helped me. Mm -hmm. but, that, but I actually had to do a lot of studying before I got to the point where I have all that memorized, the tone mystic stuff. Mm. It did take me a few months to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'll have to do that next time. Just like, okay, what am I actually feeling? Cause I felt, feel like I was feeling frustrated, but it might've been frustrated with myself for feeling something else. Yeah. So I don't know. And frustration is anger. So yeah. But was I angry? Cause I was a Oh, I was actually afraid of something or for some. Well, I, I don't know if there's always a reason for desolation. That's one thing I've also, I also is um, maybe a little bit of a fallacy. Like I, I don't assume that there's a reason why I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I just assume that maybe it's just stuff that's surfacing. Actually, I often, I often try, I generally don't link it to me being mad about something or someone. Um, Yeah. And I think that that ties really good in with with how St. Paul talks about hope and how hope does not disappoint. Like we can we can face these desolations in hope. Yeah. You know, and even if our emotional feelings don't match up with that reality, 
that yeah. we can rest in knowing that the Holy Spirit has been given to us and poured into our hearts, God's love, you know, and that that's reality. Just hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I didn't know, thinking about it with the emotions, I, I generally don't try to link them back to something that I've experienced. I just try to find a way of conquering the desolation. So I don't try to analyze it. Mm, like it's I'm totally an analyzer. Yeah. <laughs> I just try to understand it to let it go until it releases somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman. I'm like, what, what am I angry about? <laughs> yeah. I think there's always a possibility that you're not angry about anything in particular. That mm. just like you just, you just go through cycles and yeah. It could just be a, a spiritual warfare. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, when people say that sometimes, it's funny. They'll be like, Father, I think it's spiritual warfare. It's like, well, of course it is. It always is. Like, it's always all like There's always an element, yeah. It's always, it's all interconnected. That's like one time, um, what was it? Um, me and my sister, we were talking with this guy. And he's like, he's like, yeah, the Desert Fathers, they were really hardcore. They battled the devil. It's like, well, we, we, all, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they could feel the punches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just, I mean, the only difference between the, the contemplative vocation and us is that they've stripped away everything that like when there's literally nobody around you to be mad at and you're still mad. Okay. Maybe the root is more in myself than out right. in the world. <laughs> yeah. So you ready for, let me check. Let's get into the gospel. Is there any comments? Nope. We got a quiet crowd. And there's yeah. a decent amount of people. We're, so. we're missing our regulars. So I think they're just quiet. All right. I'm doing the shorter gospel. Oh, this is, still this is awesome. Because I just got some great news. That's okay. awesome. Sorry. <laughs> I'll Good. share with you off. Consolation. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do the shorter reading, which is still really long. So bear yeah. with me, please. All right. Because I'm going to butcher what a name in the beginning. Just so let's just... Let's just know this, go in knowing this. Okay, from the Gospel of John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman had set, said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would get, have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. I can see you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshipped in this on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking with you. Many of the Samaritans of that town be began to believe in him. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have, have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of this world. Okay. I hate to say it, but you cut out one of the, the, the most important parts, the, the part that's cut out. Is is where Jesus says, "Call your husband." I know. Okay, so I didn't cut it out. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just being lazy and I didn't want to read it all. Um, yeah, I okay. know, but yeah, we'll just we'll mention. To, okay, I'll, no, I'll read that sorry, part. we'll just mention. We'll just mention. Okay. So, so Jesus says, "Call your husband," and the woman's like, uh, "I don't have a husband." He's like, "You're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your own." That's the exact quote. And she's like, "Whoa, he knows everything about me." And if you kind of, if you read the gospel accounts, there's a sense that more might've been said. That's one thing that's often talked about in scripture classes is that when you're giving a biblical, when, you, when you're giving a literary account of an event, you have to strip away a lot because of the limitations of the genre. So there might've been more of a conversation, but it's clear that he knows everything about her. And that's, yeah. Alana? I'm here. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I clicked back over and there's actually co now comments now. I don't know if I, oh, okay. if they just popped up or, um, or if, I don't know if my computer was being weird. Um, I, and it's, I thought you were mad at me. <laughs> nope. I know my, I know I can't control my facial expression. <laughs> Resting. Uh, <laughs> you, know, like, you gotta work on your face. Um, <laughs> um, Juan says, I completely agreed with that experience. He says, I experienced that now. So maybe he was speaking of desolation. Let us know, Juan, because I'm yeah, let now us we're know. lost. Um, and Father Vitella says, just joining. Thanks for your prayers. Oh, good uh, to see you. My brother priests arrived safely, and I was out trying to get them settled. So thank you, Father. Um, thanks, and thanks for bringing more. Where's he from? Where's he Father Vitella from? From Nigeria. So he brought two more Nigerians, Nigerian priests, to come to our diocese. So celebration. Oh, you know. Oh, you know him. I know. Yeah, he's he's our parish priest. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I claim him. Um, <laughs> and uh, Juan also says, Amen, Alleluia, glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ, Alleluia. Yeah. And, um, cool. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, so what, what, what can we talk about? There's so much. I know, there's so much. So, I have plenty of ideas. If you have an idea, a good one, I've got some good ideas. But do you have something that's good? Well, one of the things that I kind of joining a little bit into what you were, what you began with at the beginning of the podcast about um, 
the evangelization section, but first, um, one of the points that I learned was that the Samaritans did not hold to the books of um, the prophets or the or the wisdom literature. They only had the book of Moses from the Moses. Yeah. Um, and so the only prophet only prophet that they believed would come would be the Messiah. Yeah. So so when she said, "I see that you are a prophet." From her perspective, that means I like what she is presenting to him is that I feel like you are the Christ, and yeah. then she says it again in a different way. There is a you know there is one that is coming that is said to be the Christ, and that's what he said. He confirms yes. So he kind of leads her in this way, yeah. um, and then he you know talks to her about her husbands, um, and then she goes out and tells the people that another thing that was uh, skipped in this reading is that she tells the people all that she is, but that is what she says that the uh, Messiah will do. will tell that everything. There's a, there's a chance the she might be talking with people for the first time publicly when she does this. Cause the whole idea that she was there at noon was she was there to hide her shame basically. Yeah. She was an outcast. Yes. Which actually I was talking with the kids. Uh, well, so we're, we're talking with some Mexican kids, mostly Mexican, Hispanic, I was talking talk with them. I was like, yeah, you know, if you're in Mexico and like, when do you want to go get water? You want to get water early in the morning, right? You want to do your trips early in the morning. You don't want to be out at noon, generally speaking. Right. Yeah. And, and especially because she says, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. Like she's open to this, to him po- even possibly being the Christ. And then she says, when he comes, he will tell us everything. And that is what she goes and evangelizes. Yeah. I met this man who told me everything about yeah. myself. And so so that was like proof to her that you know yeah. that not only did he say that he was and um I am he the one who is speaking with you but but he revealed himself in her own suffering in the midst of her suffering. Mm-hmm. You know like he had to go into that suffering to give her this water of mercy. You know? Yeah. Hey, okay. So here's the thought for you. Um, I'd be curious what your take on it is. Um, why have you ever struggled with this or people mentioned, why doesn't God just show himself, like show his power and glory, like convince everybody, like come down and be like, zap, you don't believe you're going, bam, you're dead. You believe here's a palace, like bam, like genie, like instant retribution or why doesn't he just show himself and, so we, we, why do we have to struggle with doubt and everything? And why does he hide himself kind of thing? Um, I think there's many different directions we can go with this, but I mean, I, he has come down and showed himself. Yeah. <laughs> and they well, didn't I mean, believe, I mean, and like we yeah. have such bad spiritual amnesia, you know, like that we, he proved himself over and over and over and over again to the Israelites and they still didn't listen. Yeah, and that's the Old Testament, which is good. Well, and here's the funny thing, and also the Old Testament is um, with, with with even when they start to believe, I I, ta- I said to a kid, I said to the kids, you know, it is possible. For example, if you're a man, I don't know if you're a woman, if you could do this, probably could, is to you know buy somebody to like live with you, kind of if you're rich, you know, like you know, and buy your friends, you know, whatever power influence. 
Um, but you would always like that would always be incredibly dissatisfying. Like you would never really trust somebody who's just marrying you for your power and your money, right? Right. Like, There's you're buying their love. It's not tr- like how is that true love, mm-hmm. and how is it true faith if you're proving? You know what I mean? Like that's why they say in heaven we won't need faith because we will know. Yeah. We don't need hope because we will have already received our hope, and yeah. and that's why the greatest is love because that's where what we will receive completely in heaven is is yeah. God's mm-hmm. love. So Absolutely. why do you know why doesn't He do this? Well, it's like He has done it. And he still, you know, does miracles every day, but we still need to believe. Well, and it's, if you want somebody to love you, you have to like test it. You have to try it. Mm. And that's actually a big thing with a lot of women that I've seen women who are effective at selecting a maid. <laughs> we'll say it that way. I mean, even from just a secular perspective is you, you make the guy earn it a little bit. Like there's a testing, there's a probation. There's it's always a test. Every question is a test. There's your there's your information, guys. Every single question is a test. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You have to prove yourself. You have to win. The, but um, and it's just similar with how and that's but the, you see it like he draws her in, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't force himself upon her. Um, right. He, he draws her in. And, and he catches and, her off guard even just for the fact that he talks to her because, yeah. you know, it's not appropriate, you yeah. know, because she is class-wise underneath him in yeah. terms of, of their culture. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just interesting. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, th- I thought about that because it's like it, human relationships are, are not that much. There's differences, but there's similarities. Like, right. If you, and, if you just buy everybody's love around you. And I, I definitely think it like in the way of buying people's love, but also in the way of like how Christ treats men and women differently, like how gentle he is with this woman and how much he reveals of himself mm-hmm. um, without as much. Cause I feel like the men have to like really prove like, that they will follow him and that they will try to understand. And you know what I mean? Like he has to work so hard with the men to like get them to figure it out. And this woman, he just has one conversation with her and he reveals who he, you know, he reveals himself. Why? Yeah. Why, why are the men so difficult for him to reveal them himself to? And this woman is not. And there's a, there's a, there's a thing in one of the manuals of ascetical and mystical theology that I studied that talked about this issue, which does seem to be a trend, which is women in general find spirituality seem to be find it a little bit easier than men just in general. But there's something about men when they embrace religion and they embrace spirituality that the, 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 the manual got into this, they tend to be more intense and they tend to actually make more progress quicker than women. Like, um, like, mm-hmm. You look at like John, the beloved disciple or something like that. And, and that, that, that can happen a lot with men that, um, but it's rare that men embrace the fullness of spirituality. Right. And that's um, interesting because John was the one who stayed at the cross. Exactly. And with the women who yeah. were there. Yeah. And how, and how. And it's actually a good ratio, one to three. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is the, it is the pair you know it's like sometimes one to five the parish ratio but um but our most 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 ministries in the church healthy ones in our in our it's like a one to three yeah yeah but it's important to you know really like look at that because like as women in the church you know we have to battle like this not true thing where you know like the church hates women you know it's like this is not like look how gentle christ is with us and how much he loves us and if we're just open to him he will reveal himself fully easily you know to where sometimes men have to work so hard for god to reveal himself um you know and and just it's so beautiful especially you know to contemplate as a woman that that i don't have to work so hard i just have to be open you know, just, you know, women are the more receptive, um, yeah. open. Now, I th- I, there has to be, I, I do wonder if there's something to be said also. Not that um, the way we the formulate spirituality is completely bad, but I, I, I have found, how do I put this? I can relate my approach to the spiritual life easier with entrepreneurs and with athletes then sometimes the the popular language of popular piety of like um like the Steubenville or the focus crowd. I mean I believe in a lot of the same stuff. And I'm not saying I'm not even saying that they should change, but there is there are ways of expressing spirituality that don't have to be so touchy feely, even within the tradition. You know? Like um, the, the, the imaginative, effective kind of spirituality that's really popular right now, and it's good. I, I think it's not exclusively the way to approach mental prayer and meditation, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. But also, it's, it's just one of the ways that are good. So there are multiple ways that are good yeah. because we're all different, and we all relate to God in a little bit of a different way. And that's okay. Yeah, I, think exactly. when, I think when we only say one is good and to mm-hmm. reject the rest, that's where we kind of get into iffy waters. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And to recognize that and be like, I don't really feel like that's the way I relate to God, but I think that you relate to God that way. That's good. You know, yeah. like you can recognize that, that, that there's fruit, Yeah. you know, we need to find the fruit, make sure that. Oh, uh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, I mean, I think what I've come to appreciate is just, it depends on the personality. Um, mm-hmm. like the, the, right now the popular is the Ignatian imaginative meditation really popular mm-hmm. yeah um, but uh, also we rely on Ignatius for the discernment of spirits so, yes. so we don't like reject that <laughs> in, no. in any ways but, but there are different ways to go about mental yeah. care well, there's a, we're, 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 well, and right now there's a few passages that are highlighted I think they're, they're not bad to focus on but um, like the one that a lot of spiritual directors find really popular is um, the John laying his head on the breast of Jesus. Like you've probably heard a lot of people talk about that, which is actually not really in the exercises, but that's fine. I mean, it's a scripture. Yeah. yeah. You can meditate on it. It's scripture. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, um, but um, yeah. We have some comments. Um, one from yeah. earlier says, what I meant, I have been dealing with a son struggling with addiction. My mm-hmm. wife suffers from depression and she is di- bipolar. In the mm-hmm. last year, she lost her sister to cancer at age 35. Also got terrible news that her father has committed ter- 
terrible things. These trials have triggered her depression greatly, and her husband and father, as and her husband and father and a father, I have always carried all as our father does for us. So I am challenged daily, but I turn my faith and trust in God's plan for all of us. We will pray for you today, Juan. For Absolutely. sure. Um, no, thanks that for is really that. difficult. Um, he says, the devil is attacking my family and tests my faith daily. I just fight it daily, keeping my focus on our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good we'll job. Praying for you all. Thank you for being a witness. Um, and Stephen says, yes, we are at different places. We are in different places um, with charisms. When we're talking about how to dif- do different mental prayers. And- oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So. Then I think you just, you got to always judge the things by their fruit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what you mentioned. Yes. So, and it's sometimes people get lost before we talk, you know, you talk about fruit of things. Then it's like, okay, well, what is fruit? Like, how do we judge yeah. fruit? The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Um, Gentleness, peace, mildness, chastity, self-control. Right. Uh, I, can't, I, don't, I don't have them all memorized, but. <laughs> I give them yeah. as penances a lot. I got them written on a little card. <laughs> Here. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah. Anything else on um, on this reading about? The yeah, I think. I think. I think. Especially water. based on what Juan said, I think maybe now is a good time to pray a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I have one more request. Um, he's Father Vitellis says, um, pray for my brothers, fathers Anthony and Emmanuel, as they join the Diocese of Boise. Okay, we'll just try to remember that. I was going okay. to Anthony and Emmanuel. Anthony and Emmanuel. All right, let's go. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just lift up in a special way, Juan. We pray for healing for his family and just give him strength in the midst of trials. We pray also in a special way, give, give him the grace that if he needs to reach out and get help, that he can find good help that can walk with him and accompany him. We pray for Emmanuel and Anthony as they begin their ministry in the Diocese of Boise for Father Vitalis for all the priests of that diocese and my diocese of Raleigh, and for the priests in the United States. We pray also in a special way for all those who are affected by the coronavirus. And just, we also pray that there be a spirit of sobriety about how we engage in fighting this illness, but also helping us to, to not over, be overcome by fear or anxiety. Pray in a special way for our parishioners who are sick, those who are suffering. We pray also for our students who are on spring break, they may make good choices for those who are on mission trips. Their mission trips may bear fruit. We ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Have a good week. You too. So take me to the fountain I seek. It's welling up, it's I feel silly trying to make up prayers myself. My mind starts to wander as I'm speaking to God. I just don't have time to pray. 
Do you recognize yourself in any of these statements? If so, we have a book for you. In Pray Fully, best-selling authors Michelle Fanley and Emily Jaminet share the rewards and frustrations of their own prayer journeys to create a practical guide that combines testimonies, tips, and journaling space to help you spend quality time with God. Whether you want to learn how to pray aloud in a group or stop your mind from wandering during prayer, Fanley and Jaminet have practical advice and the real-life experience to help you overcome obstacles to everyday prayer. Head over to AveMariaPress.com and use code LEARN2PRAY, that's LEARN, the number 2, PRAY, to get 20% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.